Hi everyone, and welcome to the Whiteboard Podcast. Whiteboard is a podcast that invites recent design grads to be candid with faculty on their time as a student. These are the conversations that profs and students should have, but can't. Exploring the intersecting needs of students, faculty, the education system, and the job market as a whole. Welcome everyone to the Whiteboard Podcast. Uh, We have three guests today. Three guests who did separate internships after leaving college. They are three of the best students and designers that I've ever I've ever worked with. So I'm thankful and it's great to have them aboard. I'll just introduce them. I have Miranda Diaz. She is a 2022 AdGraph graduate currently working as a graphic design intern at Samsung Canada. Miranda has a degree in communications with minors in visual communication and marketing, but wanted to explore her creativity further at Humber in hopes of starting a career. Hey, Eric. Hi. <laughs> Julian Ho Young Kadogan is also a 2022 AdGraph graduate who just completed an art direction internship at Zulu Alpha Kilo. Julian has a degree in city planning, but opted to pursue a more creative path in the hopes of one day working freelance. Hi, Julian. Hey. <laughs> and Rachel Sardella is a recent graduate of Humber's advertising and graphic design program and holds a Bachelor of Fine Arts from Queen's University. She's currently interning at Warner Music Canada and working as a practicing artist and freelance designer. Hello, Rachel. Hey, thanks for having us on. Thanks for taking the time to join. Um, We're lucky to hear about your story. It's kind of cool. Um, If I remember correctly, you worked together on a lot of projects in college, and and now you're here again together today. Yeah, we we just, like, we worked all together during classes. Like, we were, like, the the trio that was always together. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We, we did, like, all the group, like agency contest work together so um yeah we worked a lot together like Miranda said and did you all end up in the same role or like did you find that in school you settled into you know designer copywriter art director or something like that um so that was very interesting like I feel like this could kind of kickstart a big discussion and I know a lot of challenge that I had between choosing between graphic design and an art direction role um And I kind of was given the advice to just like apply for both jobs because I did see passion in both and then ended up in a graphic design role. And I'm really liking that. And I think I'll continue to pursue pursue that. Yeah, I think that was one of the cool things about working all together is that when we were working in the trio, we didn't have really specific roles. Like we all kind of bounced around. So for instance, sometimes Rachel would be art director. Sometimes I would do it. Sometimes Julian would do it. So we would all give it a try to see how we felt about it. And I think that also helped us make a decision leaving Humber what direction we wanted to take with with our careers or like with our first internship anyway. I, th- I feel like I've always been more of like a designer, but like final semester, they kind of put me in more like art direction e roles. And then even at Zulu, like when I did the their employeeship competition, like uh, Zach asked me if I was des- a designer or an art director, and I honestly didn't know. But I think at the end of the day, after doing the art director internship, I definitely feel like I'm more of a, a designer. <laughs> and do you feel the time was wasted running an internship that to, only to find out it's not what you want to do? Going into Humber, like the reason I kind of signed up was because I met like an art director and like, the whole culture kind of sounded something I'd be very, very much into, like kind of the casual dress wear, like you're, it's not very like, I guess, corporate, maybe depends on where you work, but that sort of vibe really kind of resonated with me but then the more i kind of did it like my technical skills are like probably a bit better than my conceptual skills 
and you need to be really conceptual to be like an art director come up with like 30 ideas like on the spot with a partner it's like it's definitely a lot different than i would have thought and that's like zulu it might be different from other places but Miranda, where did you end up? So I ended up at Samsung, Samsung Canada. It was kind of interesting the way I got the internship. It was because I went to formerly Ryerson, now TMU. I was part of like the alumni job board sort of thing. So you get emails about job openings. And so I received an email, I think it was maybe end of January, early February, 2022. And it was like, oh, Samsung's hiring a graphic designer. So I was like, okay. It was still pretty early in the internship process for the class itself. So I was like, okay, I might as well give it a go and maybe I'll get it. Um, but yeah, no, I got super lucky because it was the first internship I applied for. I wasn't expecting to get it. So I guess if there's any lessons to be learned from this, it's like, check your emails, guys. Because <laughs> you never know, you might get a job offering um, in your email. So yeah, it was it was a pretty um, easy experience. Got pretty lucky. Check those student emails and old relationships alive. For sure. So Samsung, but I thought they had an internal agency called Chael. Yeah, so Chael is kind of like the daughter company of Samsung. We do work mm -hmm. with them. Um, actually, two of my coworkers are technically under Chael, but um, I guess certain departments in Chael or certain people are allocated to different accounts. So they just happen to be with the Samsung account. And yeah, so we we work with Chael quite often, but I would say most of the stuff we do like most of the stuff you'd see on the website, most of the emails you get, they're mostly from the in-house team, me, my manager, and then my two coworkers who are at Chael. So it's it's a very small team considering how large uh, the company is. Yeah, that's something that is always surprising. These in-house teams are really yeah. pushed. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, more. I get my hands on everything. So that's been one really good thing about uh, about this internship. Awesome. And and Rachel, what was your pathway like to an internship? Yeah, so my kind of pathway to getting um, an internship started with me going on a lot of informational interviews. And those were awesome. They didn't actually lead to a job in the end, but I did meet a lot of different people in the industry and have remained um, connected to them, which is great. So I didn't get a job through there, but I did find the Warner Music job actually on a Humber portal, the Humber Connect portal. So it was sent to me from our internship liaison and they were looking specifically for students. So that worked out perfectly. Mine's kind of weird how it went there. But basically, yeah, through the uh, the competition at the employeeship competition, like they invite like 12 or so like creatives to like compete like throughout a day so like, you're doing all this like art director or copywriter stuff but then like the winner actually gets a job um so like i didn't win but we kind of kept in touch and they have like this bipoc like scholarship program called 20 doors so they encouraged me to apply so like it kind of worked out where like um i was able to get an internship out of that sort of scholarship program yeah that was about two or three months so that's how I, I didn't actually really apply for the internship. It just kind of like came through. <laughs> nice. So what kind of, what kind of work does everyone get up to in these internships? On a daily basis, I would say that most of my tasks are resizing. We get a lot of assets and lots of creatives from HQ in Korea. Basically a lot of the time is resizing that and then changing it to the Canadian market. For instance, if we're selling this item in store, then 
we change it to that product on the, the key visual, sometimes for social media, sometimes for print in the experience stores. And then sometimes we're making emails. Um, it's a lot of Photoshop. It's a lot of Illustrator, which is great because we've become very comfortable with that through um, through Humber. The, the one thing that I didn't realize going into it, which I probably should have because it is such a huge company with such a recognizable brand, is that there isn't a ton of room for creativity. Mm. For instance, I'm tasked with making a, a flyer or a banner, and I would come up with three different versions of this banner. One would be my favorite, which would probably be the most colorful, the most attra like attractive to look at. But then because of brand guidelines and restrictions, they would end up going with version three, which was the most the most consistent with what they have already, which is sometimes slightly frustrating because you know that the other version would do well, but because we can't be straying too far from guidelines, uh, that's, that's one thing that I've, I've had to come to terms with. Also a lot of emails. I didn't realize how many emails <laughs> I would be receiving and sending as, as an intern, mm -hmm. but I would say that the intern role in this, in this job is basically a junior position. I wouldn't really think of it as an internship because I'm doing a lot of the same things that my coworkers are doing. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a busy workday, but uh, keeps me on my toes. <laughs> That's awesome. When you say lots of emails, do you mean you're preparing designed emails or you're just sending and receiving emails for oh, <laughs> just sending and receiving them? <laughs> yeah, I just have to go through so many people to get approvals and to make sure you have the correct information. And there's a lot of um, legal and brand back and forth as well. So anytime you see a banner on the website, for instance, that had to get approved not only by the brand team, but also by our lawyers on the legal side. So um, it gets tricky because when they're busy, they might not be able to get to their emails on time, which sort of delays the process. So when you have, it's better to have a lot, a lot of time. If you have a, an, a program or initiative coming up, then the more time, the better. So yeah, tons of back and forth with emails. Yeah, I think I think like one thing that does not communicated in college, and I think we just don't have time for it, is the sort of project management side of graphic design. Yeah. I, another thing you you said that the designs come in from Samsung and for the the HQ stuff that's usually like the bigger uh, program, so the holiday stuff, the Black Friday stuff, the um, when we have product launches, that sort of stuff definitely comes from them. Mm -hmm. But usually, if it's smaller stuff. Um, like in-store um, point of purchase displays, that sort of thing. They usually let us do that. Again, it just has to be uh, brand and legally approved on the Canadian side. What CMS are you using for your for the website? That yeah, I'm not too sure. That's <laughs> I know we use um, Adobe Experience Manager. Okay. Um, but that's that's not really my department. We we work directly with the team that works on the website, but uh, I don't really get to touch that very much. Got it. So you're providing their their digital team the assets, and then that's their handoff. That's the end of the workflow. Totally, yeah. Okay. Rachel, what kind of tasks are you up to at the internship? Day to day, it's actually very independent. Um, when my first day, we got started with the different platforms that we use, and basically everything is linked to this database that all the different departments submit jobs to. Uh, and tasks that need to be completed with a due date. And then my day-to-day -day is every time I log in, I basically go through the task list and I will accept the things that are due tomorrow or due as soon as possible. And the ones that skill-wise I align with, um, those tasks look like a lot of different social assets. So 
things that are posted on Instagram, uh, Spotify banners, different uh, website banners, a lot of different banners, I will say. There's a lot of banners going on. I also have done EP covers, which is pretty cool. Um, I've gotten the chance to do a billboard and mm-hmm. that will be across Canada soon. So that's probably the most exciting thing that I've done. Can you tell um, us the headline so we can look for it? The billboard is for Nickelback. So it's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, I will say it's kind of like they give you the assets and then and then you work with them, right? So it's not great from scratch. Yeah. Kind of like ending with what Miranda said. A lot of the day-to-day work functions like that where these artists have assets already completed and then you have to either resize them or adding text, um, just kind of resizing them for different platforms and that kind of thing. So that's what my day-to-day looks like. That's awesome. So I I don't know if it's surprising to listeners to hear that something like a a billboard is done in-house. Very little like out-of-home marketing is done through agencies, less and less anyways. I have gotten a lot of support with different people in various departments to complete that too so it wasn't as intimidating as like okay you're creating a billboard go on your own good luck um one thing about warner is that they're super organized in terms of who's communicating with clients and who's communicating with the design team it makes it pretty simple for me to um submit something and then i kind of wait for feedback from and then we do revisions from there it's also a lot of revisions. So you kind of, you get used to not doing everything perfect to your first try, which I think is a good lesson. Not, yeah. Sorry, is- sorry. Let me, let me rephrase that. Like not getting attached to something because you think it's perfect because there most likely will be revisions. Yep. Um, I feel, I feel you. It's all, it, yeah. Everything just gets, goes through so many eyes and, you know, Miranda kind of said the same thing, not just your boss's eyes, but like the different departments. It is really collaborative, which is awesome. And again, like I said, there's a lot of support. I never have felt like I don't know what to do and I don't know who to contact if I have a question. So that's been awesome. It's nice to work in an organized, I'm just gonna theorize, a job comes in and they need some social media posts. What is a, what does an email request like that look like? It's all done on the platform, like I said. It has a description from whoever owns the task of what exactly they want you to do. Below the description, it will say dimensions, and then it will include any dimensions and specs that they need for this this task. And then underneath that, it'll say copy, and it'll include any copy that they need in the text. They also include variations, so a lot of things, because obviously we live in Canada, have to be French and English versions, so they include variations there. And then in the description, if they have assets too, there will be a bunch of links of different images for the assets to use in the um, in the project. Cool. So, do you ever do you ever run into a, a thing where, um, like, there's like a, a problem and and the the project owner doesn't understand why this is a problem? So maybe they'll be like, "Oh yeah, we need a we need a mobile banner ad. It's three fifty pixels wide by fifty pixels high," and you know they hand you a paragraph of text. And they don't understand why that can't fit. Do you ever get stuff like that? or? Yeah, I have. So I'm not exactly sure how that works, to be honest. But there are people above me and above them who make final decisions. So sometimes it's like, let's either do different variations of it or 
let's just get everything that they want on there, send it to them, and then we can do revisions from there kind of thing. Got it. So sometimes it has to go kind of back into the workflow and t- take a step back. and. Or if it is kind of a question of confusion between me and whoever has posted it, then it usually is cleared up by just walking over to their desk and asking for a bit more information or messaging them on Slack. Uh, and Julian, how about you? My daily routine and I was there. Yeah. Because I was like an art director, I had a partner, but she was also an art director because she was in the the same um, mentorship program that I was in. So we would kind of like start the day off like communicating. And then we'd have like a, a resourcing huddle with like the resource teams. Like they manage like creative departments. Like they know like what briefs are on the table, like what's coming in, who's working on what, like who needs um, help and who's free. I had two or three briefs that I was working on at any given time. So like they were more like social, social posts. So I would pretty much work with my partner either together or like on a range coming up with ideas, like, like a Google doc. And then we probably touch base with like our creative directors a couple of times. And then um, we would just like build a, a presentation deck and just present it to our creative directors like once again. And we do that three times before showing it to a client. The days were relatively long, but I definitely found myself wanting to stay near my computer <laughs> like a little bit later into the evening just because I was afraid to, that I would miss something. Most days it was, it was pretty fun. You said you'd be working on a, a brief. What do you mean a social media? The client would brief like the accounts team and the accounts team would brief us. I would see the budget. Our creative directors would kind of tell us what's within the scope and what's like not within the scope. But it's literally just a set of posts. If it's good enough, like turn into a campaign. But the budgets I, I had were like pretty small. How would you spend that budget? Me and my partner didn't actually get the chance to produce anything to see because like it was such a short amount of time. Half the internship was like onboarding and just meeting people and kind of networking. But we were able to get a couple of our designs quoted. Um, like I would mock something up and then we'd send it to our like the design team. Like Zulu has like an in-house production team, but then they can also uh, outsource as well. And if the client likes it and it's on brand within budget, then it would go forward. I think one of our ideas probably went forward, but I have no idea. <laughs> Sometimes it moves so fast that you're like, you don't even know if a thing ever happened. A lot of people there are very senior, so like they can come up with like a full campaign, professional deck, all this stuff within a week and probably have it in production. And within a month, I'm just like, they're fast. There's a, it's funny you mentioned that there's a, I I was just following a huge debate on the r slash graphic design Reddit about whether or not you should bill by the hour or by the job, because if you're fast, then billing by the hour punishes you. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, I actually, I don't know if you remember this summer, but when I was talking to you about finding an internship and I said that I was being a bit picky, you said, if you're going to be picky, try and get some freelance work. And we had a big discussion on how I should be pricing myself, how I should charge for the job. And I actually listened to your podcast. I believe it was was with Adam. I don't remember his last name, but yeah, he spoke all about how to charge and that was super helpful actually. So if there's any more debate, everyone should go listen to that episode because (laughs) it actually really helped me. (laughs) Thanks, Rachel. What, so what did you, do you want to talk about the pricing scheme you came up with? Are you able to disclose that? Yeah, sure. With this freelance job that I did, I charged $25 an hour 
And I think it was you that suggested to start timing myself to see how long it takes me to do jobs and kind of go from there. So I had in mind what I, how, I, how long I thought the project was going to take and then kind of worked backwards from there um, with $25 an hour being what I justified as coming right out of school and my kind of expertise level. Um, and then that combined with the advice that Adam gave where you want to charge enough money where that if you have work to do for this client, you don't feel like you're wasting time doing it because you're not getting paid enough. So you also want to value yourself high enough as well. With that being said, it was a learning experience. And I think in the future that I will probably charge more to do a job like that. Um, but I was okay with having the first one be a learning experience so that I know that moving forward. I think it's mostly trial and error for sure. Yeah, I've definitely felt sometimes, oh, I scared that person away because I asked too much. And other times I've been like, why the fuck did I agree to do this for so little? <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah, a hundred percent. I did. I have felt that too at times where I'm like, damn, I was still on some money here, not charging higher. But again, it's a learning experience. So now I know for the next time. And, I mean, and there is something to be said for flat rate as well, because what is the value of a piece of design? It, it's It's whatever that design achieves. And that achievement may not be proportional to the amount of time it spent that you spent making it i i tend to bill by hourly but that's just kind of work i do is hourly work if you're designing a brand it, it might be a separate thing um is anyone else um miranda or julian are you doing any freelance oh go ahead julian oh no, you go first it's all good <laughs> i was gonna say that um actually recently um i was working with my family friend, she is one of the co-founders of the Menopause Foundation of Canada. And so this was a brand new organization that had no brand identity, no, there was nothing. They were starting from scratch. So she hired me essentially to create the brand, build the brand. And um, at that point, it was all volunteer, which is totally fine by me. Um, and then recently, they had a report that they needed, like an annual report sort of thing that they wanted to push out. And there was a bit of issue with um, the original design that they'd been given by their designer, because they knew that I was busy with work and everything. So they reached out to someone else. Um, and so it was kind of like an emergency scramble sort of thing. Like we had, I think, uh, what was it? Three or four days to fix up this report and basically get it sent out, published, like all of that good stuff. And so in, I think it was three and a half days, I ended up doing 34 and a half hours Whoa. working. So it's terrible. I put my like my actual job on hold because she needed my help. And it was just a lot of work in a short amount of time. But like Rachel was saying, which I absolutely should have done, I was not tracking my hours properly. Um, because you know when you like get a task and you're just kind of antsy and excited to start and so you don't prepare well enough. So that's what I did. I was just like, okay, I'm going to start right now. And so in order to figure out how many hours I did, I had to go back and like track emails and like see when I sent the emails. Oh, no. Remember? Yeah, it was a disaster. You can't build oh, the time doing that. No, I no. couldn't. I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. So yeah, definitely um, keep track. 
yeah I, I was like lucky I was lucky to have Eric on my side on that on that one because he actually told me to keep everything in a Google Docs and sent me an, an example so I was able to do that right off the bat and it made things so organized and I even included it in the invoice so that there was no question about what is being charged yeah yeah if you want to send that my way that would oh absolutely. <laughs> that would be great you know what maybe maybe i'll make maybe i'll just like make an open google doc and just share it with everyone it's just an excel it's just a google oh, sheet that's so smart. and the google sheet um you leave notes you leave the time and then it pulls that out into another google sheet that produces an invoice because you know, I don't, I don't like thinking. Whoa. And I'm not yeah, it was that. awesome. That's why I'm a designer. That's so brilliant. Yeah. Learn from my mistakes, everyone. Listeners at home, <laughs> don't do what I did. <laughs> uh, you know, that's a good that's a good story though. I mean, we, like we all have these sort of like stories like these these tough moments. Um, and I like I don't like to glorify, you know, working yourself to death, but they do kind of make you a bit a stronger designer once you go through a little bit of struggle, I guess. And even the simplest things as like preparing your documents properly. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember the professors, they would go over like, okay, organize your folders properly. Or, and you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then you're actually <laughs> in the, in that situation. You're like, oh my God, I, I understand why they had five different files, outgoing assets, research, like all of the good, the good filing. It all makes sense now. And building your your InDesign file properly, your Illustrator file with layers and naming your artboards and oh my god. Yeah. You don't realize how important it is until you don't do it and then you hate yourself. Yeah, mm -hmm. especially <laughs> especially too because sometimes people share those files with you if you yes. need to make adjustments. You don't want all of your layers to be like layer 103 and then no one knows yes. what it's for. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, or that person, that person goes away and then mm -hmm. you don't even know that person. They don't even work there anymore. And it's like, oh, we need to do the 2022 version of the 2021 file. And it's like, oh my God. Can we call someone who now works somewhere else? That actually happened to me. Someone called <laughs> me and was like, hey, we don't understand like how this how you did these paragraph styles. And I was like, <laughs> really? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Mine are pretty anyways. Yeah. <laughs> how about Julian? Uh freelance? Anything going on? uh nothing right now but honestly i've been kind of flirting with the idea like i'm sure you're aware of the state of the market like recession wise so like like if i can get a permanent job like fantastic yeah if i can't then i would probably seriously consider going the freelance route like i also have like a lot of like photography too so like i kind of wanted to, to sell like some prints and stuff and make like a whole kind of creative website yeah, I forgot about your photography. It's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> but we'll see. It's definitely like the end end game. Being able to sell yourself as a brand and make money off of that and like your skills and not like necessarily work for somebody else. But you could one thing about uh, Zulu was they do have like freelance, like like senior freelancers who are like just on like indefinite contract. Yep. So they can kind of like jump in and out. And have like that consistency, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I do want. I do want to be like in like an actual, like design place, actually producing things before I kind of go freelance, because at least my internship was a lot more like conceptual art direction, like campaign work, or I feel like technical stuff and sending emails and like that type of admin. Like I need to kind of do that first before I fully go freelance, but maybe not. Maybe I just yellow it. 
Yeah, I'm actually surprised. Like, I know how much stuff you do. Like, I know you made the Iron Man costume and your photography. Oh boy! And you're always like, like one of the quickest to like learn software. So I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that you're not just like, yeah, I'm gonna find work. But I mean, you don't have to, right? No one has to do freelance if they don't want to. Uh, but the other thing is, it's, it's like you can do freelance without making freelance your career. Mm -hmm. I was usually part-time freelance, part-time full-time, like all over the map, part-time bartender, like whatever, whatever paid the bills. Because like, honestly, like graphic design becoming right out of like school, I'm not exactly like, I mean, I'm in a rush, but wherever comes my way, kind of comes my way and then I'm sure freelance will come into play at some point. Yeah, if you wanted to. I do want it to. <laughs> a lot of, so we have art direction, we have industries like electronics versus music. And I'm kind of wondering, is there anything, you know, that, that came up that you're like, oh, I wish I knew this or that before hitting the workplace. What would you do differently? What would you want different in your education? I would want like a decade course, specifically like financials and project management what kind of things like do you mean like pricing out a job pricing on a print job or yeah pricing out like a print job how much it would cost to actually produce a campaign like how much it costs for like a videographer like and even it would have been cool like if we could combine uh like disciplines and like you could even like hire a director to kind of shoot like a like a zero budget type of commercial like kind of like interdisciplinary an interdisciplinary course, like so not just art directors and copywriters, but like a whole production thing could be pretty cool. I, you know, I, I totally agree with you. We need more because Humber teaches so many overlapping courses. There is a linkage with the photography students. So they're doing some product photography plus graphic design using the photos. But also oh, cool. when you have that many students, getting them all to like do something, <laughs> it's very hard, <laughs> especially from different programs. Yeah. <laughs> But we do need more than that. And I think I think the school has to do a better job of making it easier for the students, just as much as students need to realize the extreme value of, of those opportunities. One thing I just thought of when I was looking for jobs, and even now if I'm looking for jobs, I see a lot of postings that hire pairs of designers and copywriters together. Yes. And they specific, specifically say, do not apply as a single. We're only looking for partners. Obviously, because they want you to work well together, it makes sense. But I feel like that's one thing that was lacking. Um, I don't know if it was because of COVID and us doing online school only, but we only had one project with the copywriters. And if you got paired up with someone that you didn't really work well with or um, just aligned differently, then there was that only opportunity to make that connection. So doing more projects with copywriters sooner and really understanding what a copywriter does, what an art director does, and how that environment is really collaborative in the workplace. Do you have any examples from your workplace? Of working with copywriter kind of thing? Yeah, like what, what is that like? For me, in my experience with collaboration, it's more so with other people in various departments and not so much art direction and copywriting because I'm not in an art direction role. But I would have liked the opportunity to apply with somebody that I knew from the copywriting program to other jobs in the future. However, I don't really know any copywriters. Right. Right. I mean, I mean, I know uh, a year before you, Vu Song Vu, he has progressed through this industry as a as a pair art director copywriter 
And I think um, Andrew Rutsky has as well. Um, so I know at least two people and I see those that you're talking <laughs> about. What do they say? Like creative pair or what are they? How are they usually titled? can't even remember now, but if you click on the description, it always says like in caps or in bold, you need to apply as a pair. Yeah. And so immediately I'm like, okay, well, I can't apply to that one. And it does help knowing, like if you have a friend who's in the copywriting program, obviously that's a huge benefit, right? Because you're kind of already more aligned value-wise, but only doing one project together, I don't think opens the door enough to link the two programs together. Creative team, I think they label it. They did, when I was at Humber, I had a absolutely miserable time with the copywriter linkage and like I, I fired my copywriters and did my own copywriting <laughs> and, and I was a pain in the ass. And then they were like another copywriter and I was like, I hate this. And I wish I had had a better attitude, but I'm, you know, you learn, you learn and you learn what is for you and what isn't. And that's not to say that everyone has to work in a pair and apply as a pair. Um, like the copywriter that I worked with, they now have a great job as a copywriter and that's amazing. But it kind of closes the door for us to apply to for something together if we wanted to. And having known that was a thing, you might have like invested more energy into this relationship. Yeah, for sure. Because it, it is something that I see time and time again on LinkedIn. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they created like specifically that one year art direction, like fast track program, which partnered up with the copywriting program and then we kind of didn't get as much exposure so at least i feel like i was kind of like in limbo and i'm sure everybody else kind of felt the same it's like oh yeah I've become like an art director but it's just like you have no interaction with copywriters and then it's just like you have all this design work at the same time um yeah so yeah <laughs> no for sure and then come to think of like our projects let's say the three of us wanted to all be graphic designers but we were working together, it would have probably been better to collaborate with someone who was a copywriter on our team so that we were both catering our projects towards our portfolios that were specific to our goals, I guess. Which is hard because not everyone know, even knows their goals until later. Yeah, I know. That is hard. Like all of us didn't really know if we wanted to be designers or art directors. So it's hard to choose one for sure. So there's no perfect answer or solution for that. I will also say this though, like definitely the the, the line between uh, designer and art director was kind of blurred in college, and it was kind of like I guess like advertised to be that way. Like, oh, designer, you're more technical. Like, art director, you're more conceptual. But like being an art director, like it's like completely different than who I thought. Like, it's very social because you're attached to the hip with like your partner, and you're bouncing ideas off of each other. And so you actually have to have like a a solid working relationship with them. And then like the the designers I talk to, like they get what the art directors give them, and it's very like solo work. Yeah, like in a, in an agency, the idea is fully formed sometimes before a designer gets wind of it. That's what I kind of took away. Like sometimes they may get their kind of brief to work on, and they just strictly do design and like branding. Yeah, but like the art director and the copywriter, like you're essentially a unit, and you just come up with like straight ideas very like rough concepts you're pretty much just trying to find like the idea that works as a big campaign and then the designer just kind of brings that to life visually yeah we're just it's alone in our basements in our underwear with all the lights off and one lamp pretty and much a and, a, and a giant slurpee like <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's true yeah, so uh the designers for um a place like zulu though are they 
are they even in the same building or like because some agencies it's like a team and they're not really part of the ad team like it's like a open concept so like you could probably be seen beside like a, an accounts person like i don't think there is like separation in that sense oh that sounds terrible <laughs> <laughs> i'm not i'm not a fan of the open office uh model yeah i was a bit i was a bit intimidated so i kind of hid in the corner when i first went in there um but there was also like not a lot of people in there too but i feel like when they get when everyone's in there like it's probably pretty intimidating <laughs> uh, miranda we haven't heard from you on uh on you know things that you wish you knew or had been told and that kind of stuff yeah, no, I totally uh, echo what Rachel and Julian had said about, you know, the finance course and maybe more collaboration with copywriters and, and everything. I think another thing, maybe not necessarily a whole course, um, but definitely a discussion in one of the classes, going back to what you mentioned earlier, Eric, about um, in-house studios are relying less on external agencies to produce work and everything. Um, I feel like we really glazed over the idea of in-house studio during this program, I think because, of course, it is called advertising graphic design, we focused a lot on advertising and agency life. And so I feel like until maybe last semester or so, I really thought my only options were either an ad studio, an ad agency, sorry, or freelance. <laughs> yeah, same. I didn't, yeah, I didn't really realize that a design studio was an option. They've got some really interesting in-house studios that are developing. Like, I, I don't think I understood what the potential was leaving the program. I thought it was, and, and the other thing is, I think all three of us can sort of agree on this, is that we're introverted people most of the time. So <laughs> the idea of an ad agency, and you know, they talk about the cutthroat environment and this and that and whatever. And I was hearing that and I was, I was kind of getting freaked out. I was like, I don't think I have, I don't, maybe not that I don't have what it takes, but I don't know if I want to put myself through that. And finding out that there are other options to still be a designer um, in maybe a less intense environment. Like for instance, a design studio is probably less intense. Oftentimes in-house is less intense. Um, so I think just maybe outlining that a little bit more or even having speakers come in. And I know because of COVID things were, it was tricky to, you know, coordinate things like that, but having speakers come in and talk about their experience in all of the different paths that you can take as a designer um, and all the different agencies or studio environments, I think that would have really opened our eyes to how how many options there really are so i think we thought it was much more limited than it is mm -hmm. it's a huge industry um it's a huge industry yeah. <laughs> even now i feel like i haven't even scratched the surface of, yeah. of what's out there but it's it's also a really fun industry to be in with a lot of different creative people who are passionate about all different things so that's amazing but figuring out the niche, I think, is going to take a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Everyone has a niche. I don't. I don't have a niche. I'm not really amazing at anything, but I can do lots of things good enough. 
and I, maybe that is a niche, but I, I mean, I, I just, I yeah. just want to put to bed that the myth that you have to be the best at a certain thing to pay your bills. Uh, Miranda, to your point about the growth of in-house, 50, 56%. Okay. So there's something called the RGD, which is the Association of Registered Graphic Designers of Ontario. And they run a survey every couple of years called the Creative Earners Survey. And the, um, it went on hiatus over COVID. It's back now. Um, the data is coming out soon. But the 2019 data showed that 56% of all designers were working in-house in Canada. Ah, see, isn't that crazy? Like the numbers are so different now than what we've believed or, or thought about the industry. Yeah. Stephen, um, I have recently been put in touch with um, a mentor. He's introduced me to a lot of um, people that he knows, especially in, in Toronto. And two of them in particular, because he knows what I'm, my mentor knows what I'm interested in, and he knows that I'm currently working in-house. And, and I think I might try and pursue another in-house um, job after this one, maybe. But there are also in-house studios that have a lot more room for creativity. Like, for instance, um, there's a, an in-house studio called RBC Ventures. Um, and I got to speak with um, someone who works there as a creative director. And it's so cool. What they do is they are linked up with uh, startup companies, like young companies, and basically they help them develop their brand. Mm. Um, and it's cool because it's, with RBC, right? I guess RBC is helping to support these companies and everything. And so you still get to be creative and do brand design and all that fun stuff, but with the stability of a full-time in-house studio job. You know, like it's just, it's changing. And I, I'm really happy to see that change as someone who doesn't think they would thrive in the fast-paced agency environment. <laughs> Miranda, if I understand correctly, a small business owner goes to RBC Ventures for a loan and comes back with a loan and a brand identity. Yeah, see, I'm not sure exactly how these brands get chosen. I'm not sure if any brand can go to RBC Ventures or if it's maybe like a special selection and application process. I'm not sure how it works because I think right now they maybe have a portfolio of about 10 new brands, give or take. Those numbers could be off, but it's not, it's not a huge number. Mm otherwise i mean they couldn't manage all of those those accounts but yeah it's it's basically rbc ventures supports these businesses from the ground up in terms of design and even maybe and i don't think this obviously wouldn't be part of the design team but maybe even how to manage being a young business or small business you know in terms of money and finances and stuff so it's a very very smart business model for rbc i think but I also just thought it was so interesting hearing about that that side of the industry, talking to creative director. The banks are uh, banks and other professional services like um, Deloitte and Accenture um, and yeah. even law firms. If you want to make work a nine to five and make decent money as a designer, um, those areas are sinking so much money into marketing and marketing collateral from like every every corner you can imagine. Um, and especially digital, like there, there's something called product design now. So product design is kind of like UX, but even bigger picture. In-house product design studios in the banks right now are like paying insane money and they can't, they can't get people. They cannot hire enough people. It's an amazing growing sector. 
Honestly, degrees in this industry are only worth as much as the portfolio that comes before mm -hmm. them. There are two kinds of people who will be looking at your portfolio. There's other designers and, and other people from creative industries. Um, and there are in-house people or um, HR people or hiring managers who aren't directly connected to design. If you have an in-house person evaluating your uh, diploma, they're going to see graphic design or design something. And that exact difference between, say, graphic design or UX design or UI design or web design, it might not really mean anything to them because it's just it's a design degree and, and that's what they're looking for. And then if you're uh, interviewing with someone who does understand those differences, they're still going to know enough that, well, there's many pathways and many amazing web designers started out in graphics. They're all just going to kind of look at your portfolio, uh, broadly speaking. It's the work you put in portfolio that comes out of it that's worth the most. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to like glorify the industry, but definitely I feel like that's something we still have, which is special. Totally. Well, the number of people, even in our program alone, I remember when we were doing introductions and everything, and a lot of them would say, yeah, I've actually been doing freelance graphic design for the past three years or something. And I decided to go to school for it, to learn it more in depth. And it's like, you are so cool. You were just doing this on your own with no specific education, enjoying it. You realized you liked it enough to pursue education, further education. I, just, I, I admired those people so much. They were so brave to start freelancing without without the paper, you know, because they didn't need it. So I'm pretty sure you could work anywhere you want if you can do it. Yeah. But what about pay? But I feel like that's kind of the elephant in the room. So we're talking about freelance and billing hourly, and we're talking about internships. But what is an internship worth? Should they be paid? Are they all paid? I think internships should be paid. That was one thing that I really kind of admired about Zulu, like the it's kind of something like they stand for. Like they have like a thing that's saying out to spec. So a lot of like companies will like ask an agency like upfront, like spec work, like wireframes, like proof of concept, like stuff like that. But like, all that takes resources, time that you should be billing, but you aren't because you really want the business because there's competition. So like I feel like that kind of gives the creatives a bit more power because like a lot of people can't do what we what we do so it's kind of what i think of that <laughs> julian what's spec work a request for like like work like if you get like a brief like they'll kind of want to see like proof of concept maybe a couple like wireframes depending on what it is like so like you actually have to put resources into it with no i guess financial incentive unless you get the contract so you could put in all those work to win a brief but then in the end you actually don't get it so you just waste all these hours and the client kind of says show me what you what you would do and if i like it i'll pay you pretty much yeah. and they could just take the idea and do it themselves in-house right what about the value that you create for the employer in exchange for payment i definitely think that internship should be paid for sure because it makes you feel valued as somebody who contributes to their team and gives you almost more energy and enthusiasm to want to produce good work. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier with freelance. You don't want to set a price so low that you're not even motivated to complete the job. Yeah, I think it's it's so interesting as well, thinking about maybe how 
under-acknowledged creatives can be. For instance, I was at a like a town hall meeting for work a few months ago, and it was basically the entire company at this meeting. They're acknowledging so-and-so or this department that did really great work and made these sales and they reached their quota and surpassed it and all these like great numbers and selling products because you know that's what company's about. But it was funny that me and my coworker are sitting there and we're like, isn't it amazing to think that these people we wouldn't have made their sales if all of these customers hadn't seen the creative that we made promoting these sales. And I think it's so interesting because not that we need recognition in that way, like that's not why we do it, but it's interesting that our departments and the creative team can often get overlooked. Mm. And so I think it's very important to have compensation in another way. You know what I mean? Like if at least if you're in an internship role, doing all of this really hard work that is producing for the company, good numbers and good sales. It's nice that you see that in return with your pay. Just open up a wider, wider issue, Miranda, which uh, interns are sometimes seen as a cost center when they should be seen as a resource or an investment. Mm -hmm. But marketing on the whole is often treated as a cost center when it should be treated as an investment. Yeah. And so I'm just wondering with your experience of, of seeing other people receive credit where, where you receive none, how do we advocate for awareness of the value of what we produce? Just from what I've experienced so far, I don't know in a like larger picture how we would make that happen, but I know that on a smaller scale, my manager always does her best to congratulate us, acknowledge us when we've succeeded in a campaign. So I think making sure that we acknowledge each other and congratulate each other because we know what the work was, even if other people don't. So maybe starting out, if we keep that in mind, that <laughs> that's a, a good first step anyway. To kind of add to that, I think uh, we're an industry full of advertisers, but you never see actual advertisement for our industry. <laughs> you sure. kind, of just stumble, kind of just stumble upon it. It's like, oh, second more easiest to work, eh? And design <laughs> some cool stuff. That's, I didn't know that. But if I did know that, I'd probably do it. That's amazing. Imagine if I like bought a billboard and just like put my sweet <laughs> paragraph styles up on it so that people could be like, yeah, Eric can do typesetting in InDesign. That's the guy. The, the thing specifically with art direction too is you actually don't need to be like a designer. Like you just need to have like really good ideas and concepts. It's not advertised. So um, I think they may have like an, not like a shrinking pool of art direction. I feel like the culture is maybe not as strong as it should be in terms of knowing what's possible. It's definitely hard to find a good art director because it's difficult to evaluate a good art director. Mm -hmm. and, and especially imagine evaluating art director potential. Like you meet someone who hasn't done anything and you're like, yeah, I think they'll be good. <laughs> I mean, how do you know? It's an act of trust. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like you see someone who's like in in amazing shape and eight feet tall, and you're like, it'll probably be good at basketball. But like, how do you know if uh, someone's a good art director? Maybe that's why internships are unpaid sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's also because in some some companies just don't they don't really value it or they don't under, they don't even understand why they're doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd say if you're a if you're a huge company, you should probably pay. But if you're like a small 
new agency then I can understand. I feel lucky because at Warner, they have an internship program. And so when I started my internship, I started with four other interns as well, uh, who are all in different sections of the industry and work in different departments. Um, and so with orientation, we have like a really big proper orientation with HR to introduce us to the company and touch base with us. And they've provided a lot of informational seminars and just information in general about the music industry that has been awesome. And it also has created a really positive culture for the interns to get to know one another as well. So I, I've seen how successful internship programs are and how great they are. Awesome. Thanks, Warner. Um, Shout out to them, honestly, because it's great. Yeah. You know, more and more I'm hearing stories like this. Yura Lee was on the podcast last and she mentioned her uh, internship with Marks. They actually have like a four week training program. And oh, wow. Yeah. And so she felt really like taken care of and, and empowered. You know, I hope that, it, that it's like that more places. But I know that people think it's going to be the devil wears Prada or something um, or whatever that movie is. But <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I think it's going to be like that life. But mostly it, it seems like good. I've never felt unwelcome or not supported in any capacity. It's been awesome. How about everyone else? Was it good onboarding for you? Um, I think it was interesting. We also had like a, an internship wave kind of come in. Um, I think there were maybe six or seven of us. And like Rachel mentioned at her internship, we were all in slightly different departments. So it was kind of unfortunate because that means we didn't get to interact with each other a lot um, during the workday. Sometimes we'd maybe go out for lunch or, but it wasn't as close a community as I was hoping for the interns. Um, but they were also, they were also quite a bit younger because, you know, I've finished a degree and now I've finished Humber. So I'm a little bit older than them, but we all got on really well. But I, I got really lucky actually with my, my coworkers, like in my little studio team, my coworkers, um, one is a year older than me, one is a year younger than me. So we just naturally just have a lot of things in common and see things similarly, especially in our design styles and everything. So um, even though I didn't have a super close relationship with the other interns and through the onboarding and stuff, I really bonded with my my coworkers and I, I, I consider them my friends now, actually, because we, we get along so well. And yeah, that's been I got so, so lucky. That's that's cool. Julian. It was just me and my my partner. She was in the art direction program at Humber. So luckily, me and her like got along like pretty well. And the onboarding was about two weeks or no, it's two weeks. Actually, I think it was about a month, about a month of onboarding, like sitting in and reading like brand guidelines. But basically, I was just glued to my partner for the whole time. So we built like a pretty good relationship. And then um she left a little bit earlier than I did, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't really have like anybody, I guess, other than her <laughs> and people who I already knew, um, like coming out of there who I actually could like have a good copy with and like really, I guess, be like friends with, not to say that everybody else there isn't like awesome, but I just didn't really get the chance to build too many like lasting relationships with them because, you know, it's just not... Not terrible amount of time in the day, and everybody's quite busy. So, but overall, great experience. Another interesting thing I just kind of remembered about starting off at 
such a massive company was the number of abbreviations they use. And I have no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> I've been there seven months. To this day, I still have a Microsoft Word doc called Samsung Terms. And it's just me, me trying to figure out what people are talking about. Because at this point, I feel like I'm so far down the line. I can't be like, sorry, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> I should know by now. It's never too um, late to ask. I know. Sometimes I do. I, I message my coworkers. I'm like, sorry, do you know what, what they're talking about? Um, but I think just in general, maybe if we learned more like industry terms in the program itself, like, like for instance, what was that thing you were saying earlier, Julian? Spec something? Yeah, like spec work. Yeah, like spec work. Like I, I'm sure it's mentioned like briefly, like throughout our classes and stuff. But if I think maybe a little guide might be uh, a useful tool. Miranda, will you email me that list and I will share it? <laughs> the list of terms I don't know? Well, I mean, I won't tell anyone <laughs> it came from you. Well, to be fair, a lot of them are intern. Yeah, like not like not like NDA, like private stuff, but just like, for instance, the mobile division is called MX. Right. The fridges are CE, like like that kind yeah. of, like that kind of thing. Yeah. So, but if I come think of some other uh, terms, like just general industry terms that I don't know, I will certainly send it along. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, I can send along some terms too that I've had to learn specific. Oh yeah. A lot of different social asset type things. So okay. I'd be happy to share them. Yeah, do it. Yeah, maybe we should have a working doc. Seriously, <laughs> no. You know, it's, it's like super cliche and like eye roll thing. But, you know, sometimes like you just have to write the book you wish you had been given. Yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. I'd be cool. I feel like. I yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm just thinking like if there was like a, a kid's book, you know, like how they do like really like ABCs, like super like not to make us seem dumb. But if there was a, a book that was just that simple of like graphic design terms. Mm. I feel like that would actually be quite popular. Yeah, I think that'd be, Not, it'd even be fun to buy as like, just to buy, even if you knew them. Actually, I wonder if it, it probably exists. We can't be the first people to think of that. Yeah. <laughs> but it definitely would be helpful. If it exists, I want it. I'll be able to. Yeah. <laughs> Add it to the Humber required reading list. Yeah. yeah if right. not, we like, can design like it and sell it. Yeah. How, how many of you read anything you were asked to read? Um, I bought some books. I tried. <laughs> I think we had some mandatory textbooks, maybe in like first semester, first or second. Definitely, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, maybe like in the, did we have one for the drawing course, maybe? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Did we have thinking a book with, for that one? Thinking with type. That was one of them. Oh, no, that's probably There's one. Another, there's yeah. another one. Uh, Ellen Lupton. But everyone should read that. That's like one of the few things where I would <laughs> say like, you should actually read it too. Because um, the other one is uh, Bringhurst, Elements of Typographic Style. I don't know if we read that one. That one doesn't sound as familiar as the other one. Yeah. They're both, I think we definitely had to read type the, the thinking with type one. Typography skills are super underdeveloped, not just in, at Humber, but every school I see students coming out with the worst typography skills. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree with that. Thinking back to my previous self and hopefully not my current self, that type is something that I needed to work on heavy in school. What were some of the matrix? Honestly, it was when I was going through my resume with my now manager and he was pointing out mistakes, basically helping me. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I should have done that. I should have done that too. And he basically said, how's 
Yeah. Everything you do because you just get caught up in it and you don't catch all the mistakes that you make. Yeah. It's so personal too. And that kind of puts you in a stupid headspace. Yeah. How important was your resume for your uh, internship applications? I was lucky enough to actually talk my resume pretty openly with my manager and get some feedback. So some things that they mentioned about resumes was not everything has to be overly designed and a resume is a great opportunity to kind of show your technical skills on alignment and hierarchy without creating overwhelming distractions. So the resume for sure was important, but it wasn't the only thing. My portfolio, I think, is what got me the job more so than my resume. That tracks with my experience. Mm-hmm. A bad resume can make a good portfolio pretty forgettable pretty quick. Yeah, I'd agree with that too. I like the resume is just another example of your design skills. So I would keep that in mind for sure. And specifically your basic typography skills. Yeah, like super basic, super simple, don't overcomplicate it kind of thing. I think my resume, just the nature of like how I applied for the job and the sort of um, company that it is, I think they certainly looked at my resume. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have asked me for the interview. To be to be honest with you, I'm not sure if they looked at my portfolio. I don't recall going through a portfolio in the interview process. It might have just been resume based. Really interesting. Yeah, unless they clicked on like the live link in my resume to my portfolio, um, which they very well might have done. Yeah, I think it was mostly resume. You haven't set up Google Analytics, Miranda? You can't check? Don't know. I don't think I have actually. Something else for me to teach. <laughs> Add yeah. it to the list. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that yeah. would actually be really helpful to know. Honestly, and on that point, if you wanted, to, if you want to talk about um, websites and everything, one thing that I just that I just discovered this week about my portfolio is when you Google my name, my website description doesn't pop up, and it just says one of ten, which is, I guess, the the standard copy that the the website development program I was using says, and my manager was like, ooh, definitely need to change that to an actual description of yourself. I don't even know what the abbreviation is. I think some sort of search engine optimization. SEO, there's another term for the for the book. Exactly. Another term for the book. I had no idea what that was. And now I'm on the hunt to fix it. So yeah. also Google yourself, I guess, to make sure that everything works. Because I also ran into an issue where when I was applying for jobs, my portfolio link didn't even work properly. So I don't know how many people did or didn't oh, see no. my portfolio. So just double check everything. Yeah. And by the way, I haven't had to set up um, the Google, the what you're talking about with the results, but it, it's the meta name. So it's a tag and it's meta name equals description. And that will tell Google what to show in the uh, search results snippet on the search page. Ah, uh, okay, good to know. It is kind of complicated because when you first create your website, or at least with the platform I was using, it doesn't pop up on Google right away. It takes around three weeks mm. for it to show. I had the, yeah, the same experience. With yeah, so I guess when I Googled myself before, it had never come up and I just used the like quick, quick search in my address bar. So yeah, I didn't even know that that was a thing, but uh, yeah, definitely something to know. Yeah, totally. Visiting your own page, visit Googling yourself, visiting your own page on mobile versus desktop. Yeah. Another thing I see a lot of students do is, you know, in first year, they're asked to make a WordPress website and then they promptly abandon it, but that remains the top result. So they're applying for jobs 
pubs <laughs> years later oh. and they're getting this like half baked like disaster of a wordpress <laughs> no. oh no i don't even know what happened to my wordpress site that i made come to think of it well hopefully mine's gone forever I don't yeah know. it was not good i'm gonna google it right now <laughs> no well and like i said it takes three weeks for google to sync with whatever you're doing so or it can take three weeks so sometimes you might not even know until that wordpress project is over that yeah that's what shows up rachel Saljella wordpress coming soon it just says your name <gasps> and it's it says coming soon it's blue did you google my name plus wordpress i had to add wordpress but it's still live and it said it's blue and it says oh, it's coming no. soon i just googled mine and apparently someone has made a wordpress theme called miranda Oh, oh. What, they do, what they do that but it's, it's fine it's not mine don't worry about it's it be very organized <laughs> I, I wish i could say it was but uh i don't know jose made this interesting website theme i was gonna say also your instagram and your tiktok pops up when you google your name so keep that in mind too yeah oh. i got rid of them or get rid of them yeah yeah some people tell me i shouldn't have but well you didn't know me in college so <laughs> Hmm. You know, I, I see my name. Is it LinkedIn, Facebook, and then my website? But, but my website description is, I think the the text and some of the the uh, alt photo names. I think. Yeah. Might be popping up in the description. But nothing crazy. Then now that you mentioned that, I didn't see any of you until like until like the last like two weeks of school. I feel like or two months. Sorry. Um, and I, I actually remember Julian coming in and you were like, hey, I'm Julian. And I was like, who? And then I was like, of course, my students <laughs> You're like the only person in the class. I remember that. Yeah. And actually, wait. wait. Yeah, that's pretty weird that we didn't you didn't know. Like, <laughs> I remember even when Julian and Miranda and I met for the first time, we had the same class together. It was in Chris's class. And I remember Miranda sitting there and Julian sitting there and being like, uh, are you Miranda? <laughs> hey, are you Julian? Are you Rachel? Yeah. <laughs> we talk every single day and then we don't even know what we look like. <laughs> yeah. We're like, wow, you're a lot taller or shorter in person. <laughs> like when we all met Lori for the first time, she's way taller than we were expecting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what? Someone oh, said to that said that to us at Convo, uh, a student. Um, yeah. Juvan said that. He was like, oh, you guys are taller than I thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I'd seen, like, your faces on Zoom, obviously, like, even the little pictures. But it was so funny seeing everyone at Convocation for the first time, like, people who I'd never met in person at all. Because I just see, like, their full name. Like, one thing Zoom has helped me with is remember people's first and last name, because it always comes up. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you're so and so, such and such, and such. you know, like I know like their first and last name, which is, seems so formal, mm. but otherwise I, I wouldn't know who they were. And I put two and two together. Was like, oh, yeah, you're the face I see every day in class, but through a screen. That was strange. This is kind of a good segue to bring it back into internships and what your experience is like just getting to know everybody, because I work two days, it's part time. So I work two days at Warner and then one day at home. And having those two days in the office makes such a difference to really get to know everybody. It is a, kind of more of like an open concept office as well, but I sit with other interns, which is how we've been able to make better connections, which I think has been really beneficial. 
So that's a good point. I, ours was supposed to be hybrid, but the issue is that I am in the East End and the office is like very, very West Mississauga. So ideally they wanted us in two or three days a week. Um, I don't think I've gone in for the past like month and a half just because the 401 is so awful. I will agree that when I was in there, it was so much nicer, like the sense of community and like knowing everyone. I'm like, oh, that's where this person sits if I need help with this thing or, you know, it was nice to have that like human interaction when you're actually in the office instead of just over email pros and cons to both because the days that i do go in office if i take the 401 home and there's an accident it'll take me two hours to drive home so yeah that's a downside definitely i would never set foot in an office ever again if i didn't have to <laughs> oh really that's so interesting it is a high number to make me sit in a cubicle again <laughs> when i know that my cats are at home <laughs> yeah true you know what it was pretty it was pretty intimidating my first week having gotten so used to doing projects at home and then being in an open concept office with people checking up on you it was it was a shift for sure now i'm used to it so it's fine i once freelanced with a company where um they called it hot spotting and it was like just rows of tables and with like a dock and you plug your everyone is issued pretty much the same laptop it plugs into the dock and then that syncs it up with the keyboard and the monitor that's at that station. And there, there was like TVs playing CP24 everywhere. And in theory, like you're supposed to be in a different seat every day. But people would like have like passive aggressive ways of like pissing on their desk. So they would like they would like put up put up like an ergonomic sheath over the, the one chair or they would put something for their feet in the one thing or they would have some kind of customization on a keyboard. And, and it would it would be like, you know, everyone in a row who was part of the same group would have some little thing to mark their territory. Yeah, I can totally see that becoming more and more a thing and have heard that it's becoming a thing because of COVID and so many people working from home that, I don't know, I guess having a designated desk when you're hybrid, I don't know, more more people can use that spot if you, they're in and you're not and vice versa. Right. So I can see why it's that direction for sure more beneficial if you're extrovert <laughs> if you're introverted not so much <laughs> this was pre-covid but you know what i don't i, I don't necessarily like the, the the designation introverted and extroverted because i'm kind of neither but i just i just don't care like yeah fair enough <laughs> i can be social do you i mean you you know me i can be social ish but i don't want to be if i don't have to yeah you like you match the situation you're in yeah, I guess so. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I think that might be called an ambivert, Eric. Might want to Google it. Ambivert. I will. I will. <laughs> I will. I think it's a, if you're trying to identify with something, it might, it might speak to you. I don't know that I want to identify <laughs> with anything. Like, I, I feel like I neither crave nor fear social environments, but I do mm -hmm. find that for my job, for my JD, when, when I'm freelancing and, and a five person, social situations were non-productive unless it was a social ask like brainstorm or something but there's no there's it's a it's detrimental to my productivity to situate me uh, amongst other people who are just going to basically interrupt me yeah no that totally enough. makes sense yeah so uh, yeah julian you're being really quiet oh, i'm just listening i'm probably talking too much oh no, no. Well, i mean i am a little bit introverted but at the same time not really what do you mean like, I feel like depending on the this, this situation, I'm either very quiet or it can also be like 
very like loud and talkative like especially like where i work now like at a grocery store like i'll just start screaming but like obviously i can't do that in a in an office setting or i just start dancing spontaneously but you can what scream, you scream? In a grocery store. i don't think i'm <laughs> in a grocery store oh, like, in the back room i'll just i'll just start like i'll just start like wailing <laughs> Because if I don't, my brain will just start to melt. Oh my god! I was gonna say screaming in the grocery store is peak anxiety for me. <laughs> no, the back room. The back room is where all the fun. Yeah, yeah, back room for sure. Wash your vegetables. I used to. I oh god, I used to work at a no frills, and we would smoke in the walk-in because it, the walk-in was like the size of a room, like it was huge, and it was locked and it was ventilated. So if you wanted a cigarette, you could always just go there. That's oh, perfect. Wow. Secrets yeah. of no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's still the case. And no frills are franchised, so some may be more slack than others. But it's a, it's probably a vape room now. Yeah. <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. They're probably people probably just vape like anywhere. Like. Uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> you got the artificial that's blueberry like... smell all around the grocery <laughs> store. Hey, I was just shopping blueberries. Gosh. That's not a. That's not vape. There you go. Stuck. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah. We're definitely getting sidetracked, but I mean, yeah, been, that happens with us. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with it. It's been an hour and forty five minutes. Oh, yeah, we probably could talk for two more hours, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I do kind of have a piece of advice that I really only learned, I'd say, in the last semester of the program. I would say, portfolio wise, through trial and error, obviously, you're gonna figure out what it is you like and what you don't like if that's packaging design or logo design or art direction. And I would try to cater the projects that are given to you to align with what you like and what your passions are. Because the work that you have on your portfolio is ultimately going to get you the job that you want. So you can kind of think backwards of what job do I want? Okay, I'm gonna make work that aligns with what they do. And that means I'm going to create projects that produces work to put on my portfolio to get this job eventually. That's great advice. Do you want to throw out some closing great advices? Yeah, I think definitely how different an agency can be from like an in-house place, like just talking to Miranda and, and Rachel about it, like outside of school and how you can position yourself and like what's like the, I guess, pay to pain ratio. <laughs> like <laughs> at an agency, like you're probably going to be working like a lot harder but like the things you're working on are a lot funner yeah like it's probably very like fulfilling and like also like it depending on the place like the owner can kind of champion your idea and it becomes something crazy yeah i guess for designers like in-house pay is definitely better than like agency pay like at least to start um but in terms of like career progression you're trying to like, really make a name for yourself the vibe i get is like you want to stay on the agency side kind of I got to say and I do what's right do do what you feel is right going into the program especially in the last few semesters when we've been we've been told you know how important networking is and like you know building your network and reaching out to people the idea of that at the time almost made me physically ill like I was like that I don't want to be you know inconveniencing people I don't want to be you know reaching out to strangers what if they agree to talk to me and then I have to talk to them like it made me very nervous and I've come to realize sort of doing what Rachel was doing you know like these information interviews that people really just want to help you which is so so sweet like 
they'll take time out of their day. They're very busy people. We know how busy this industry is, but they, if you just reach out to them and ask, you know, do you have even 15 minutes just to, to chat? I want to ask you about your career, your path, like what you've been up to. 85% of the time, they're going to say, heck yeah, let's, let's chat. And they'll give you so much interesting information and really they also care about you know as a as a young designer they want to they want to help guide you and maybe act as like a mentor sort of inspiration for your career as well so as horrible as it seems you know reaching out to people it's really not actually that bad and then when you go to talk to them they're just people <laughs> so like having a conversation with them it's not like an interview. It's not like you have to, you know, be all prim and proper, make sure everything's like perfect. You know, you're just chatting with them, you're getting to know them, they're getting to know you. And so I think a big statement, maybe networking isn't as scary as it seems. Yeah, totally. And not that we're pros or anything, but speaking for myself, I know I'd be more than happy to talk to any students that are in the program now just to chat. So hit me up if you want to. Miranda, can I share a story about what you're talking about please do so when i when i graduated from humber actually not when i graduated because i it, i didn't i graduated a year late but when i was supposed to be graduating <clears throat> i um started emailing agencies and studios and the one studio i really wanted to work at was bruce mountain so the reason i wanted to work as bruce Mao is because they do like everything um they do like marketing they do architecture they do interior design they do print design they do web design they do like all the stuff, wayfinding, everything. And that's kind of who I am. I, I like to do everything. And so I emailed the CEO. Uh, and at the time, the CEO wasn't Bruce. It was Hunter Tura. I didn't really expect to hear from him. But he emailed me back. He was like, hey, like, yeah, what can I help you with? And I'm like, uh, I'm applying for internships. And, you know, I'm wondering if you're hiring any interns. He's like, we're not looking for any right now. And he said, but, you know, I'd be happy to like look at your work. And I emailed back. No, like, it's so weird now that I'm saying it to hear myself say it. I emailed back, no, that's okay. Like, I, I'm pretty sure you have more important things to do. Yeah. His response to me was, there is nothing I would rather be doing than going through young designers work for them. So nice. So yeah, there you go. That's what this industry is like. Um, some resources for anyone who's trying to network. Um, RGD is, is good. And the student membership is only $40 um, a year which is nothing like the full membership is like 400 a year and it comes with like half price good life which is what sold me on it um oh. yeah exactly exactly and then um adcc is has a pretty cheap um student membership so and they both have mentorship programs so they'll hook you up with a mentor um cold calling is or cold emailing is fine i will say i will say for networking humber did put on that um grad panel and that's how i became connected to some grads before me like ekade and andrew or actually no maybe that was portfolio review but regardless both those events are really helpful for networking with past our students in the program oh that's awesome so we're going to do that again this year so are you talking about when we had last year's graduates review this this year's graduates portfolios so there were two events. One was the grad panel, and then that's where Corey just asked a 
bunch of recent graduates about their experience. And then the other one was the portfolio review. And that was a mix of anyone from different agencies, including recent grads for some of them. That's good to know. We'll do, we'll try to do more of that. The, the discord was actually born out of those events. We were like, we can, oh, yeah. we should, yeah, well, it was like, we should make this more accessible, like more available and, and more lasting. Um, cool. Yeah, no, they're, they're really. Yeah, the, the one thing about the um, portfolio review night that was kind of funny was um, our assignment for that night was to develop three what did they call them guys do you remember they were like project boards the case boards case boards yeah um to develop three case boards for your like i guess your favorite or your the three projects you thought best represented you as a designer um and i remember one of the most common pieces of feedback i got on that night was why are you showing me a case board you should just show me your portfolio and i didn't want to be like wait i didn't yeah, know that so you guys thought yeah and so i I think I think I maybe spoke to three or four people and I I swear at least half of them if not three out of four were like you know for future reference I think it would be more helpful if you just show your portfolio instead of um a case board. And so I yeah, yeah. come to think of it I did not share a case yeah. board once. I sh- I just shared my portfolio. Yeah, same here. Cuz I was like, oh these are kind of okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I just I don't know why I thought like okay, this is I should do this because like we made them. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll just show them. But well, that's the advice that was given. So. Yeah. So maybe just for future reference, the industry people at that event preferred just the portfolio rather than the case boards. I have never made a case board. <laughs> well, yeah. apparently you didn't need to because they don't like them. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll always, I would say one thing that's good about a case board is the metacognitive process of forcing yourself to understand and articulate your goals and achieved, mm-hmm. but you don't have to make a case board to do that, but it is a benefit. It definitely was not a, a bad exercise. It was just maybe not what they were looking for. That that was actually kind of stressful, that event, because it was like, okay, you have 10 minutes. Yeah. Go share three of your things. And then it was overwhelming. Oh, maybe a bit more like runway in terms of, and like kind of like a heads up in terms of like portfolio night and like the importance of a portfolio and like keeping all your files and also going back and like revising things. Cause like, I, I felt like I was scrambling last minute to to make, I guess, designs that I'd previously done like better. Um, And then there was like things that like I wanted to have started, but then I just didn't really kind of start. There's kind of like a, at least for me, like I just felt I didn't put my best foot forward just because leading up, I probably should have prepared better. No, I feel the same. It was kind of like a scramble of, okay, what are we going to put in our portfolios now that it's at the last semester? Whereas if it's introduced earlier, you kind of have more awareness towards even what I was saying about creating projects that are actually going to be on your portfolio and making them a bit more intentional. That's great advice. Mm -hmm. And backing up your files. Honestly, it's just been great just to connect with you and hear about all of this. And maybe, you know, hopefully we can talk again sometime in in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I would love Likewise, totally. All right, great. Um, Well, then, in that case, until next time, thank you very much. Yeah. I hope to to see you around and hear from you. Thanks so much, Greg. I'll do it. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. And especially for anyone listening, if they want to reach out to any of us, I'm sure we'd be happy to just talk or look at portfolios or whatever. Give some insight to what it's like being a year ahead. Absolutely. 100%.
Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Eric. Bye. Nice talking to you. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Eric.